0: This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report on the cattle market. Cash cattle remain locked in a dollar nineteen to a dollar twenty range for the sixth straight week. The pressure in the cattle complex applied by higher grains kept fed cattle subdued while feeder cattle were hit hard. Beef demand remains phenomenal, however, packers have not shared their profits with feedlots. Export sales were robust, up 19% last week and 45% above the four-week average. China led the buyers at 9,000 tons, followed by Japan at 8,800 and South Korea at 6,000. The cash cattle market has stalled and there's concern that they might be backing up again. The truth is that feedlots have never gotten current. At the FCE live auction Wednesday, there were many lots offered at $1.17 that didn't move because they didn't meet the feedlots' reserve price. That was the official excuse for the no-sales. I've been told, however, that there's more to this story. These cattle's owners were reportedly vocal about the packer margin issue, and packers reportedly backed away from the purchases out of some retribution. That would appear to me to be an abusive use of market power. Differing industry structures showing some stark differences between cattle and hog markets. While cattle markets have struggled, hog markets are making new all-time highs. Beef packers do not directly own cattle, while over half of the hogs are owned by the integrated packers in that industry. The integrated pork packer margin topped $115 a head this week. Integrated hog packers and independent hog producers have similar interest. They both own hogs, and the integrated packers have no problem with sharing the pork profits with hog producers because they are essentially paying themselves. It's the standard packer, such as Tyson, that does not own hogs that is having the tight margin situation at this time. In contrast, the beef packers are making over $1,000 ahead from the product market And due to too many cattle on feed relative to killed capacity, those packers are not sharing any of the beef profits with feedlots, many of which are seeing negative closeouts. The beef market's a bonanza, while the cattle market's a bust. Tension is rising in this industry as feedlots have pretty much had enough of this There was a cattle industry-wide producer meeting in Phoenix recently where they began putting together a plan about how to deal with the oligoptic packer power. I expect we'll be hearing a lot more of this as rancor within the industry is bound to explode. Packer JBS withdrew for its membership from the NCBA as part of retribution for what is happening. There are also feedlots that fear too much exposure as they set themselves up for retribution. That's supposed to be illegal under the Packers and Stockyards Act, but when have they ever enforced that? Here's an update on the biodiesel sector. The biodiesel and renewable diesel industry has steadily grown over the past decade with commercial production facilities from coast to coast. The plants are concentrated in the corn and soybean belt, as you would expect, with Iowa, Illinois, and Missouri having multiple plants. But soy oil isn't the only feedstock for biodiesel, just the dominant one. In 2020, for example, total biodiesel production was about 13.6 billion pounds. Of that 8.4 billion, or 62% came from soy oil, 11% from corn oil, 9% from canola, and 8% from yellow grease, which is recycled oil from fast food restaurants, for example. The remaining 10% comes from other types of recycled cooking grease, tallow from packing plants, etc. The industry's total production continues to significantly exceed the biodiesel requirement under the federal renewable fuel standard and has been enough to fill the majority of the advanced biofuel requirement. USDA is pushing biodiesel use hard. Just last month, the National Biodiesel Board thanked Agricultural Secretary Tom Vilsack and the USDA for providing 12 grants totaling $7.1 million to expand consumer access to low-carbon biodiesel. The grants announced will support biodiesel infrastructure investments under the USDA's Higher Blends Infrastructure Incentive Program. It will support nearly 140 million gallons per year through projects from Hawaii to New Hampshire. The reason that we wanted to update Comstock listeners on the state of the biodiesel industry is that we are not at all skeptical of that forecast for a big increase in soy oil use for biodiesel. Like it or not, the relentless quest for less pollution and more sustainability is becoming a mantra that will put those who fight it and complain about it at a marketing disadvantage and thus accept it as just another cost of doing business and sustaining market share oil demand has supported a disproportionate share of the price increase in soybeans. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com.